Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, I can do it myself, thank you. We talked to Michelle T. about her experience with IVF as a queer 40-year-old uninsured woman. Plus, Biz Reflects. Woo! This is a check-in. First of all, I just want to say that I'm in a local buy-nothing group, and I just went and got a little baby gate because my baby's getting a little bit too scooty. And... I just walked up the stairs to go get this baby gate, fell up the stairs, and this beautiful woman was sitting in her living room, I don't know, reading or something, and just saw me do it and just waved at me. Um, I'm feeling very graceful right now. But my check-in is actually inspired by what you were just talking about, Biz, when I was just listening to this episode about the colonoscopy. And my husband just got a colonoscopy, endoscopy. They also only found a little patch of hemorrhoids. And uh, everything was good. I don't know why he feels like he's dying every time he eats red meat, but I guess we don't eat red meat now. Not a big deal. But I'm uh, glad you're doing well. I'm glad he's doing well. And um, have a lovely day. You're doing a great job. Thank you for the show. Well, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Little patch of hemorrhoids in my hole. Well, a hole? I apologize, everybody. But there's definitely a little patch of hemorrhoids song out there somewhere. But uh, anyway, how you're doing a wonderful job. One, buy nothing groups. People, it, I... It's sort of like saying, have you heard of the TikTok? Buy nothing groups. They're through Facebook. It's the only reason to stay on Facebook. And they're by neighborhood. And they are truly a game changer. Like, it's not just for baby stuff, though there's a lot of baby stuff. I feel like our front porch is just constantly cycling through things for people to come pick up off of our porch. And it is so good no way. Yeah, sure. I would like to sell some of that stuff for like five or 10 bucks and just make a little, little money for a little target spending money, as it were. But it's also so much nicer just to know it's going somewhere where somebody can actually use it as opposed to a garbage dump. So good job getting your baby gate for the scooty. Because what else are we doing with that shit after it's done? Anyway, good job falling Upstairs, that's horrible. I like that the woman just waved. I was like, I thought she was going to come out. But she didn't. She just she just waved at you. Like, haha, I definitely saw that. I'm going to go post a picture on Facebook about it. Also, good job to your partner for getting a colonoscopy. Everybody, if you have the ability to get a colonoscopy, get it. It's, it's, it is really not unpleasant. Preparing for it a little effort. But just knowing that all is well or that something needs to be treated is very important. Or you can join the Little Patch of Hemorrhoids Club. This would be a new special subgroup for One Bad Mother. (laughs) 
you're doing a wonderful job. Buy Nothing actually is a place where we are using right now. Many of you know, my mom uh, passed away two weeks ago and uh, we <laughs> Buy Nothing has actually been a place where we have been passing along a lot of the remaining, you know, medical supplies, but that's really not probably what I really want to share. Uh, <laughs> she passed away two weeks ago, and it is an understatement to say that I miss her. Um, this show has always been in its own way in honor of her and who she was as a person as well as, as a parent. It's been an interesting two weeks. I haven't really had a chance to stop much because my father is processing in his own way, uh, which means having to get out of their apartment and into a new apartment. Uh, and it's amazing what you can get done in two weeks. So uh, processing will be, it's going to be forever, everybody. It's so dumb. It's like, to be like, well, I'll make some time for the grief. The grief comes in gigantic waves. You know, I see a picture or, you know, as I'm packing up some of her things, I, you know, I smell her everywhere. So it's, it has been hard and not just on me, but on the whole family, the kids and Stefan really, really miss her. So I wanted to say thank you for everyone who has reached out. Your support and your kind words have been really impactful. Later this week, I'm going to share her obituary because she's a badass and that is reflected in that obituary. Yeah, so... That's my check-in. There's no segue. <laughs> just not really. Other than I think my mom would have probably really liked Michelle T, who is our guest today, who's going to be talking about her new memoir, Knocking Myself Up, a memoir of my infertility. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Electric E-Bikes. I love the library. You guys know I love the library. I love going to our library. Our library is up a very big hill. <laughs> and it's walkable. It's true. But, eek! With my electric e-bike. I love it. I just get on that and I pedal. I'm having a good time. At the, and then when I get to the hill, I... Uh, kicking the E part of my electric bike, and it helps me get right up that hill like a cool rider. Start your adventure with electric e-bikes. Ready, set, spring, sail. Visit electricebikes.com to learn more and explore the new Expedition Cargo e-bike and all of the other epic models electric has to offer. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. Hello, I'm Lori Kilmerton. We do a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you could listen to it anytime you want it because there's hundreds of episodes. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been doing comedy forever and we should both quit. So why don't you listen up <laughs> before we leave this not only terrible business, but this awful world. And find out why we can't. Because we love it so. <laughs> Jackie and Lori Show, every week here on MaximumFun.org. Everybody, I am very excited to be welcoming back Michelle T who is an author, poet, and literary arts organizer whose autobiographical work explore queer culture, feminism, race, class, sex work, and other topics. She joined us way back in the very early days on episode 90. Oh my God, and we're at 4.99 right now. Her latest book is entitled Knocking Myself Up, a memoir of my in fertility. Welcome back, Michelle. Thank you. I can't believe how many episodes you've done. Well, we just... Congratulations. Thank you. I just had Meg Lemke on a little while ago to celebrate the 10 years of Mother Magazine. And like she and I were talking about how we both had sort of, you know, kind of grown up together in a different with different views on parenting or different approaches or just being people who may or may not like being a mom for the last <laughs> 10 years. So I just, congratulations to Mother Magazine, which yeah. was your baby. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Yeah. It's amazing that it's still going and it's, you know, no. it's because it's because of Meg and like, you know, <laughs> the folks who just kind of keep keeping it alive. It's really cool. Yeah. But it's critical. Before we get into this new book though, I would like to ask you, who lives in your house, which I assume is unlike what it was episode 90 in 2015. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> um, I live in, well, first of all, I live in Glendale now. I live in Southern California. You're and before just down I was, the street. Yeah, before I was, huh? I'm in Pasadena. What? Yeah, I, I know. Ah, we're so close. Oh, my goodness. We're so close. We Do could just kids- be doing this over like an apple pie at Earth Cafe or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that place intimidates me. Go I ahead. Mean, it's really epic, but their pies are so good. So uh, I live with my husband, TJ, and I live with my – I live part-time with my son, Atticus. He's with me like every other week with a sleepover during that's like the custody thing worked out with my ex and my mother lives with me now she moved in during the pandemic she was like really isolated in florida mm-hmm. um she kind of got pushed into a forced retirement because of covid she was a nurse oh it, like a, a nurse in a nursing home nurse and the nursing homes were just being kind of managed really horribly and yeah. it was scary for her she has copd so she moved in and I got a cat named Birthday Rainbow who walked in off the street on my son's third birthday. He's here. Um, and then my husband came with an amazing dog named Brody. And for his last birthday, his eighth birthday, my kid wanted a lizard. So we also have a crested gecko named Ninja. Okay, here. good. I was worried so you weren't going to share everyone. the name. And then oh. I was like, because we got Birthday Rainbow, which is maybe... My favorite name, next to a cat that uh, is a friend of my oldest's, good friend, they have a cat named Lotion, and I really <laughs> like the name Lotion. Yeah, I know, Gabe's like giving me the thumbs up. Lotion is a great name. Birthday Rainbow. I also like that you just have this house. I assume that everybody that's living in your house just walked in. Is that yeah. I mean, that's what it feels like? <laughs> is that about right? Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, so... 
Your child. That is a lot. It's My a big friend. house. Thank God. Thank God it's a big house. It's the biggest house I've ever lived in. Yeah. And when, you know, when I came to look at it, when I was looking, you know, I, I was living in a different house that had a, it was a rent controlled house with a pool and we got owner moving evicted by, you know, people who were trying to flip it. And it was really heartbreaking. And yeah. I was like, nothing is going to be as cool as this. Oh no. And then this house doesn't have a pool, which is, you know, that's sad for sure. It but is. it's a, a big <laughs> craftsman and it's two stories. Yeah. It's so big. And I really didn't know what my life was going to become when I moved in here. And now I'm more grateful than ever that like I got it and, you know, it, there's yeah. enough room for all of these people and animals that keep showing up we might we might be fostering a dog by this week at some point too so I will, we'll there just, might be another animal might be. <laughs> i love it so much michelle <laughs> you have written a new memoir it came out last year it is about getting pregnant it's entitled again knocking myself up a memoir of my in fertility. I'm giving it a little pause there because you have it in parentheses <laughs> on the title. You've written a lot of memoirs. Okay. I mean, in the grand scheme sure. of people writing memoirs. In fact, the last time you were here, it was for a memoir entitled How to Grow Up. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. No, it has been forever. But writing about infertility feels like or fertility, or IVF, any of these different topics, feels incredibly sensitive. And I, of course, want to take a sidebar, though, and say, is it? Or is it just that we've been told that, right. That, right. that we shouldn't talk about it? Female-bodied people, bad, 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 and shame, and shame, shame. But for you, you know, every, I mean, it's a dumb question. Why write it? Yeah, you know, like, but also, when you get past that stupid question, was it more a more difficult topic to write about and talk about? Well, you know, the whole thing started as a blog um, yeah. in real time while I was trying to get pregnant. When right from the beginning of me deciding I'm going to try and do this, when yeah. I didn't know if I could get pregnant, I'd never been pregnant in my life, and I've never had a scare or anything. I didn't have health insurance. I didn't have a partner at the time. So, you know, I was like, wow, this is wild that I'm doing this. And I was immediately <laughs> having to do things I'd never done before, go places I've never gone before, think about things I'd never thought about. And so as a writer, that's super, and as somebody who does write memoir, that's really exciting, <laughs> you know? And so <laughs> I did want to write about it. I was like, this is great. I want to just do this right as it's happening. And so I started blogging about it. And it wasn't hard. It was it was really kind of exhilarating. It was great mm. to have a place to put it all. Oh, yeah. You know, and during the parts, I mean, there was a lot of struggle involved in it. And it, it always has helped me to know that like, well, I can, there's something else I can do with this s experience of struggle I'm having, which is I can write about it, you know? So it was really, you know, when I was in places where it was a little bit of a struggle, it like having this sort of narrator in my head, observing it lightened the moment because I do write with a little bit of humor, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it just allowed me to see almost myself as a character, the whole thing as a play that was playing out and be able to see other angles of it, you know, beyond just my, like, I want this thing and I'm not getting it, but to yeah, see but the larger stuff that's going on, you know? That is really... Interesting. But I did it ever or has it ever presented 
like sort of a disconnect from what you're going, right? To like be on the outside, seeing yourself sort of as a, like I see all the benefits to that. But I got to imagine there's also a little, maybe we should call our therapist, you know, like, like, does, did that prevent any challenges? Was it like during the process or possibly, you know, last year, (laughs) did you have to wind up connecting or reconnecting with yourself when the book came out because of that distance? I mean, you know... (sighs) It's such a it's such a like puzzling thing to even talk about. I feel like to a certain extent it, it it's my nature yeah. to be like this. And yeah. I think that is why I write memoir, you yeah. know, so much because and I wouldn't say it's um I mean, I'm an Aquarius, we're known for being a little detached, you know, and so I feel like it you know, but I'm also like a crybaby. So I, I never feel like I'm, you know, not feeling my feelings. I just yeah. feel like I'm able to also sort of observe them, you know, if not in exactly in the middle, then sometime, you know, pretty close to it. So no, you know, it didn't, it didn't, I felt like, yeah, I mean, I'm grateful for it. How, for whatever reason, I'm like this. It definitely lends itself to, to writing, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, there was definitely, I wasn't trying to like, find the yucks in a really if if something was hard I just let it be hard in the writing you know and then sometimes something something absurd you know would sort of present itself and I and I would just you know pivot to the absurdity of it you know there's a ton of absurdity oh my god especially (laughs) when it comes to really however a kid wound up in your house Mm -hmm. uh, I can pretty much guarantee there are moments of absolute absurdity yeah. with that. I think there is an assumption that people going through IVF are doing so because of infertility. Okay, that's the main one. But in reality, <laughs> that's that's not always the case. I mean, I, I found it really impactful when you were speaking about anybody who is within the LGBTQ plus community, when they want like, Honestly, as a cisgendered, you know, woman, I, white woman to boot, yeah, I could have just like accidentally gotten drunk and pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, getting <laughs> pregnant. I do know what you mean. Yeah, I was yeah, so jealous of you people yeah. when I was trying to get pregnant. Well, right. Like, I am an asshole who's like, I chew, right? I mean, that, look, I, <laughs> getting pregnant was not 100% the easiest thing, especially because I didn't, I waited until I was much older to do it. But, yeah. There is this, like, idea. I remember my sister was saying once that, like, you think you're raised to think that you can just get pregnant, you know, at the drop of a hat. It's and true. And then you, but then when you actually start trying, it's, that's not the case. But for the LGBTQ plus community, I mean, it's almost always IVF on some level, right? Like, or, you know, some form. It's not like you got drunk and fooled around. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think a lot of folks start with IUI, right? To see, okay. if, you know, which tell is where they just kind of... Tell us what that is. Tell, actually, just tell us all those things because yeah. it's fun to revisit. And it's confusing with it's all these acronyms, right? So, so IUI is when a doctor takes a long straw and puts a glob of sperm on the end of it and then spitballs it up into your <laughs> uterus. <laughs> and then hopefully it, yeah. you get... Pre- no, it's when it's when they kind of like medically, you know, no. place the sperm nope. into into your uterus. That is how they do it. I'm that's sorry, that's it. 
That's officially now exactly how they do it. This is a medical show, guys. Yeah. Anyway, I love that. Okay. Oh, my God. And then IVF <laughs> is when um, an unfertilized egg is removed from the body, put in a Petri dish, you know, doused with sperm, and it begins to develop for like a day or two. And then, you know, usually, of course, they've harvested a whole bunch of eggs, not just one, if they're going to go through all that trouble. Yeah. So they like put them all in the freezer, and then they'll take the one that is kind of looking the hardiest, and then they will put it on the end of a straw and spitball it, spit up it into back your in there. Cervix. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, one is just the sperm is being introduced into your body, and the other, it's a, it's a fertilized egg that's being introduced. And so I never tried IUI. I, I had been at home with a, literally like doing that turkey baster style with like my drag queen friend who was like, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll give you sperm. And like my like my best friend Tara, who was like, who I think I call Rhonda in the book because it's such a she's such a Rhonda. Yeah, um, sure. And she was like running the bowl back and forth, you know. And so we did that for a while. And then I ended up falling in love and getting in a relationship, which was very confusing for a moment. But it just sort of elegantly continued to unfurl. And then the person I was with became part of the whole process. And they, for once in my life, I dated somebody who had a a job and they had a nice (laughs) job and money and health insurance. They put me on their health insurance. And, you know, when it, when it became something we were, we were doing together, my resources leveled up because of that. So I got to go to I went to UCSF in San Francisco, which is actually a really great nonprofit. You know, they have a, they have a they have a fertility clinic there, and I loved my doctor. He was really great. And talk about be, like being a bit of a townie. Like I actually had had a miscarriage, and when I came in for my first appointment after the miscarriage, yeah. he just sort of paused and he went, "Bummer," and then we went back into the into his office. We went to his office, and I was like. I just appreciated it, you know. Yeah. He didn't didn't have to go crazy. He acknowledged it. Yeah. It, was, it was it was a sincere bummer, you know. He yeah. was bummed. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, I got to go and you know get the uh, the transvaginal ultrasound, you know, uh, which oh, yeah. is so exciting. I was like, what is that? I didn't even know these things existed. Yeah. And then they found out that for my age, I was in my early forties. You know, they weren't expecting me to have tons of great eggs, but I had even less than the average person my age. So when the doctor found out that my partner also had ovaries and eggs and was 10 years younger than me, they were like, we're not even talking to your ovaries anymore. Please bring your partner in here. And, you know, that was very sweet for us at the time because we were in love. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have your baby. You know, that was like very cute. So they basically took my ex's eggs and we still um, use the sperm from my drag queen friend and... Another thing that's really funny is that it's like the whole batch of eggs is sort of conceived on the same day, right? Yeah. Because they they harvest all the eggs and they (laughs) fertilize them all. So the eggs all start growing on the same day and it was gay pride in San Francisco. It was so funny because I, cause the hospital uh, is up on a hill and I could see out the window from, I mean, after, after um, my ex had their surgery, I was looking out the window and there's this hill that they put a big pink triangle on every year. Love it. And there was the pink triangle. I was like, oh my God, this kid's gonna, if this kid isn't gay, it's not for lack of trying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's right. Well, so that. I have lots of feelings about uh, bodies and bodies, yeah. Medical, historically, medical industry in particular with female bodies and like, yeah. I and I I know culturally, we've already touched on the fact that there is this inherent shame around 
you know, I guess not being super fertile and just dropping babies left and right, yeah. right? Like, you're not supposed to talk about miscarriage. You're nope, not supposed to talk about, like, shame, shame, shame. And then, like, blah, blah. Like, how, like, even the way people talk about it when they're, people will be like, oh, they're trying. They're trying. You know what I mean? <laughs> and be like, oh, we're, we're trying. It's in this like hushed yeah, sh- voice like, oh, I don't, you know. But I think about like it's how so interesting. emotionally like just beat up you got to fucking feel after going in and constantly having a doctor who even with the best of intentions is like, we're not talking to your ovaries anymore, right? Like, yeah, yeah. not only do you not have, like, we didn't, we weren't expecting a lot, but right. you got less than a lot, right? Like, to me, that's the kind of thing that I'd be like, God damn it. Like, it might not make me feel like weird, like then, but oh, two o'clock in the morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to like just tear that the fuck apart about. Yeah. yeah like No, I was sad. I was sad after yeah. that. You know, I, de- I definitely was. I remember I sort of went to, I, I kind of like, like moped over to a Goodwill and sort of yeah. like, you know, sort of like <laughs> shopping addict. He just kind of drifted yeah. sadly through the Goodwill and, and, and tried to shop my feelings away. Oh, but yeah. I was... You know, it was great to see that the doctor was so affirming of my queer relationship and my queer family building and how excited he was to know that I had, you know, a partner with ovaries. And so it was really that mitigated a lot of it. You know, it's it, it wasn't so much the like, you know, I've definitely been spoken to harshly in various ways for various reasons by medical professionals. It never feels good. But it wasn't that, you know, yeah. he, he wasn't that. But but yeah, of course, I was still sad because I had, I had wanted to kind of do it all myself, you know, and it's of course to do it this other way, even though there was something very magical about it at the yeah. time, you know, it, it's also invasive, you yeah. know, my, yeah. my ex had to have surgery, had to be on all of these meds that are really intense. I had to be on different meds. I mean, it's just, it's more invasive. It's a bigger process. It's more expensive. So there were all those other reasons why I also, you know, it's, it wasn't only wanting to like pop out a mini me, although yeah. it was partly that, of course, but it was also, <laughs> it just was like, oh, wow, we're getting in deeper. How deep do we want to get here? Because when yeah. I first started doing this, again, single, no health insurance. I was like, oh, wow, I realized if I'm ever going to try and have a baby, I got to do it now, you know? And so I jumped on it. But I also was sort of like, and if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to go to Paris for a little while. You know, I felt very sort of like, life is big, life is exciting, children are incredible. I would like to have this experience. Also, my life is going to be amazing and full and wonderful. If it doesn't work, you know, I had, I kind of had that attitude towards it. So yeah. I feel like once, like you said, I've I've heard that that feeling, the getting deeper, oh yeah, and deeper and deeper. I think it becomes, or I would imagine, it becomes harder to be like, well, I can always go to Paris, right? Like yeah. as you yeah. go, you're investing de- in those stakes. So you keep letting the stakes go up, and you're investing in them yeah. with your body, with your hopes, with your money. And yeah, it it was you know something up. that at the beginning where I was just sort of like, either way is cool. You know, once we were really doing yeah. it, I was like, oh man, no, I really, you know, I don't want this to feel like it wasn't for anything. And I mean, of course it wasn't. It was an experience. It was really fascinating yeah, and interesting in all these ways. But that's not what I was doing it for, right? Yeah. But you know, at the end, we had had. Let me see. How many eggs did we have there? We had the first The first transfer did, just didn't take. The second one, I miscarried. The third time, the doctor 
um, transferred two embryos. And then after that, there was one single embryo left. Mm-hmm. And so the, I remember the doctor being like, and then, you know, we'll just harvest more. And me thinking like, no, like yeah. if we run through all these eggs and yeah. I, I don't, I think we might be done, you know, like I, think I don't we have know all that the I, eggs in our baskets that yeah, we counted. Right. Yeah. yeah. We got three eggs left. If this is meant to be, then like, let's see what happens. But, and it's like, you know, my body was just really going through it. I was like having to give myself these like progesterone shots in my ass. Like I still have, there's still like a strip of my kind of like hip that feels weirdly numb all the time because yeah. I just gave it so many progesterone injections. And I was wearing what basically like a belt of estrogen patches like around my abdomen. It was wild. And you're like, That's crazy. Yeah, this isn't good for you. Yes. <laughs> you know, this is really not good for you. There was one moment I wrote about it in the book where I had after it was after the miscarriage where I'd gone back to I had gone to a yoga class near my house and found that it just was really hard for me to yeah. do some poses that I used to be able to do better. And it's because my body just yeah. was, you know, out of shape and it was differently shaped and yeah. all these, all these things, you know, and I, it just hit me like everything that my body had been through. And I was just filled with so much sort of like sorrow and like love for my body. I just like started crying in the yoga class and yeah. it was just like the person in child's pose for like 20 minutes, just yeah. like having a little meltdown <laughs> in the corner. It was a candlelit class. So oh, I, I, I definitely, perfect. it was perfect. It was, it was perfect. perfect. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot on your body. Yeah, it is. And then there's the whole like, oh, Michelle, we could sidetrack it down. I'm just talking about hard on your body. And I'm like, no support for your body after it. Like, I'm treating it like if you were in a car accident, they'd be paying for your physical therapy. Oh. But you go through all of that shit and know. having a baby. And it's like. Yeah, no, I know. Get it's it's insane. The uh, like the the mandate on people to reproduce. Yeah, you would think that there would be they oh. throw they throw some throw you some bones. Yeah, you know to make it more attractive. I know yeah. it's an, yeah. it is really awful, and especially when you learn about what other countries do. Yeah, how you get a goddamn nanny in the Netherlands. You yeah. know, you just get like the state gives you a nanny or something to do your fucking laundry for you for a year. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I know we get. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> we have, we get, uh, what is it? Uh, what debt. is the, uh, yeah, debt. What get is some the debt. Free, what is the? Some judgment. <laughs> we get judgment. We get judgment. We get debt. Oh yeah. A lot of, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-judging, yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of pitting against each other. Yeah. Uh, so yep. gangs. A lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety. Yeah. No. So we, we really, we really nailed it. Uh, nailing it what has the response been because once again once you enter into talking about anything that has to do with your body uh your feet in particular your female bodied body Mm -hmm. well you have just asked for everybody to have to comment so what (laughs) what has the response been and actually i say that because i i hope and i feel like this book has been really beneficial in helping people feel seen. So what has the response been? I mean, I think it has helped people feel seen. I've gotten a lot of like really beautiful feedback from people who, you know, are queer or single or, you know, whatever, you know, just pursuing their own sort of non-traditional path to having a child. And so I love that, you know, there definitely was also, you know, I did some readings around the country and a couple of times there'd be people in the audience that were like in the process of it and were really struggling. And that was really hard because, you know, I, 
am a little, you know, flippant at times through the text because it's my sort of my style. And and I do have a baby at the end of it. And it's, you know, it's really, really hard. I had a, so much empathy, you know, for these folks. And, um, you know, they were like, what would you say? And I'm like, I don't know, like, keep going as, and, and try not to let it break your spirit, you know, do it as long as you think you can do it, you know, and, and know it's that hard. there's like... It's, you know, having a child isn't the, you know, reason for your life. You know, there's like, there's other, this, it's a big world. There's lots of other, there's lots of things to do, you know, and there's lots of ways to have kids in your life and lots of ways to have kids, all that shit. But, you know, um, you know, it, it was, it's been mostly really great feedback. Um, I don't think there's been any negative feedback, honestly, that I've, oh, I think there's a, I think there was a bad review in the nation, but I didn't read it. It's okay. <laughs> You don't have to. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> illustration, bad review. Um, yeah. But every, other places gave it really great reviews. I, I was really happy, honestly, to hear from people who read it who were like, dudes who were single, who like had yeah. no, like I did, I did the, um, the book on tape myself and I, you know, I read it out loud and at the recording studio, it just was all these bros and they like yeah. loved it. And I'm like, oh good, because I really wanted to make this, you know, the, the, just writing about anything that's sort of medical. Yeah could be kind of boring. I was really, you know, and there's, there's so many logistics in an, in a story like this that I just, I was like hearing that people who didn't have a personal interest in like taking notes on those logistics, but they just wanted to be entertained in some fashion that they liked it made me feel like I did a good job of presenting potentially boring information in a way that was not. So that's, that's my favorite part. No, I love that. Well, I know it's always good when you, when you get we had for a very brief period of time our largest percentage of listenership were men, and I Love was it. like, I know, I was like, yeah, you should be part of this conversation. This is yeah. not like it, it's still funny or hard or weird or like these are all universal things that you know are just being defined as gender based by I don't know somebody, but that part, whoever that somebody is, they don't actually give a shit about you. Right. So yeah, yeah, I, I I think that's I think that's really great, and I I really think that it's good that not only all of your work is out there, but that this book in particular is out there. You know, I I I, I understand the hard balance for people going through this experience and for some there's a baby at the end of the story for others there is not right simultaneously i think sharing the experiences of single lgbtq non-traditional stories of trying to get a kid in your house this way those are few and far between and the more yeah. normal we that can become, you know, I think it'll eventually help the whole spin on how we treat female bodies and what what we're supposed to be doing with them. Yeah. <laughs> when we invite more people to that conversation. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, since our country, you know, has been having such a like a homophobic renaissance um oh, you know it's just like, it's beautiful just, it's, yes. it's actually felt like oh this is you know in no way did i feel like i'm writing a radical book you know i would never it is radical really feel now, like that. but then i'm just like oh yeah i love that it you know has that sheen to it and if it emboldens some people and and you know makes people feel 
safer, yeah. you know, in, in ways. And I just, I love it. I love, I love that it, it came out during this weird fucking time that we're It's in. a weird fucking time. Uh, yeah. We just leave it at that. Maybe yeah. that's the new show. It's a weird fucking it's time, weird fucking everybody. Time. This fucking <laughs> the spinoff. Fuck. Yeah, the spinoff. It's a weird <laughs> fucking time. This is all garbage and bullshit. Enjoy. <laughs> Michelle, you are not garbage or bullshit. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. May that be the greatest compliment you get today. Michelle, thank you so much for coming back on. It's obviously been way too long. I appreciate that you just keep putting stuff out there that is beneficial and represents all of us who are coming at this or finding ourselves in it in non-traditional ways. Even even as simple as just being like, I don't really like being a mom. What does that even mean? Right? Like it's all there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Thank you so much. And we're going to link everybody up to where you can get a copy. Everybody oh, knows where you. to get a book. And the paperback <laughs> is coming out this summer oh, also. Yay! So that's cool. Yeah, July, oh, excellent. I think. Yeah. So yeah. summer read, everybody. Totally. When yeah. you're in your car line at summer camps, <laughs> this is your summer. I'm going to start a new series, the car line reading series. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah. It's where I get all my reading. <laughs> Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Earth Breeze. On One Bad Mother, we have talked many times about wanting to create less waste. Earth Breeze laundry detergent eco sheets look like dryer sheets, but they're not dryer sheets, everybody. I, I, I will, even though I knew what I was getting, I was like, oh, they're not dryer sheets. And then I heard Stefan say, oh, they're not dryer sheets. They are a liquidless laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle, hot or cold. It's that easy to make less waste and do laundry. Switch from the old-fashioned goo to something new. Right now, our listeners can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash badmother to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash badmother for 40% off. earthbreeze.com slash badmother. I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The Greatest Generation. The show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206 206- 
350-9485. Genius fail time. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You mom are a genius. Oh my God. That's fucking genius. This is a weird one and it really deserves its own whole show with like a somebody to talk to about it, but I am just saying yes to stuff that the kids want to do all the time. I mean, not like driving a car or anything, but you know, Raiden wanted to start a business on Instagram for their like little phone charms and bracelets with the, and I was like, yeah, all right. You've shown that you can handle Instagram responsibly. You know, you don't post any pictures of yourself or your real identity, you know, like go, it's called Calico Charms. And it's been so fun. They've really enjoyed making all these bracelets. And we go down to this place called Remainders, which is like a thrift store for craft supplies. And I mean, she just gets all these beads and like things that she needs from there. And there's like apparently an entire like beading community on Instagram. And, you know, they're becoming part of that. It's just been great and it i you know yeah possibly raiden's homework is suffering i kind of don't care <laughs> i kind of don't care because i love the joy that is that and it's part of that saying yes like that part of that like it's not just saying yes it's like saying yes and then not getting involved outside of saying you need a supply i'll get you the supply right like let's go get it if you've earned money making this, you'll use it, right? Like, I don't know. We're navigating it. But it is just a delight to watch. And I know they're doing it because I said yes. <laughs> Hi, this. So this is a genius. It's a self-care genius. When I drop my child off at ballet, I go around the corner to a coffee shop where I'm nothing to no one. I drink coffee. <laughs> I read my books. I'm no one's mom, I'm no one's employee, I'm no one's wife, and I get to just be me, and it's lovely, and I'm kind of becoming like a regular there, which is nice, and the baristas are probably going to make me a person to them, but that's fine, as long as they don't want anything from me except for payment for the coffee (laughs) that they give me, that's all I want. So anyways, that's my genius, I get to be a self for one hour a week. Bye. Yay! You are doing a good job. That's I <laughs> just I love it when we list ourselves. Like, you know, uh mom, uh employee, wife. I like that you're like, I'm becoming a people too. The baristas. It's fun to be part of a community that even if that community is like a weird little coffee shop community because you are getting to define yourself however you want and you are getting to like come it's nice to have somebody know your drink order shout out to baristas who are able to do that because that does always make me feel very special and i just think you're doing an amazing job and i think this is really genius this is really genius failures fail You suck. I'm just going to let you know that here at the low bar, Ellis's neck is still green from the hair dyeing a little over three weeks ago. Hey, Biz. This is a fail. 
It's an Easter fail. We got we got holiday themes. <laughs> I failed because I left me and my husband's little thing of mini Cadbury eggs on the counter where I thought they would be safe for some reason. But no, my four-year-old took them out of their container and fed them to the one-year-old. By my best estimations, he ate five mini Cadbury eggs, foil and all. What? I called poison control. He's fine. He may, he probably will have an upset stomach and like some constipation. But, you know, I'm I'm doing a pretty bad job. That was, mm, that was, that was a fail. That was, that was a rough one. So, thanks for being the place I can call when I can tell absolutely no one else what happened. <laughs> You're doing a good job. Maybe later today I will be too. Bye. Let's you, let's be clear. I mean, before I focus on the failing, you call poison control, and that is always a genius. So, no matter what the fail was that leads you to making that call, that call in my opinion, erases it. It's like absolves you of the fail. Good job calling Poison Control, who, let me remind you, we had on here, and they were very clear that they love your calls, and they do not think you're doing a bad job. (laughs) Okay, so that's good. This is... Safety and the fact that we're going to be constipated and, you know, tinfoil poop is going to happen. The real failure here is that you did not get to eat your mini Cadbury eggs. And that is the whole point of Easter in my mind. I have eaten so many Robin's eggs. I love them. And I buy a bunch and then I fill the kids' eggs up with those. And then after a few days, if the kids haven't eaten them. You snooze, you lose. I eat those. And I, so I understand this is really like once the, once the poison control level of this fail, like kind of subsides, you're going to be sitting up with your partner being like, God, I just want a Cadbury fucking egg. Well, that's what you get for thinking you could leave things on the counter. Wow. (laughs) Didn't you read that parenting book that said never have counters? Well, you're doing a horrible job. Congratulations. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. All right, everybody. It is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi. I don't know if this is a fail or a rant. Why is it that whenever I have something on my to-do list, it takes me two or three times to actually get it done? Uh, Get the car inspected. Okay, go drive there. Oh, there's no inspector. Okay, come back another day. Uh, Get shoes for my kid. Look at the size chart. These look good. My husband is so nice. and goes to get them. Oh, wait, they're like a huge amount too big. Go return them. Go back again. Uh, book flight, finally, to see family. Oh, wait, somehow all of our birthdays are in there wrong and deal with it again. I just, like, nothing finishes. It's just everything just goes again. It's crazy. Thank you. Bye. Oh, this was a rant. Congratulations. It was a rant. 
Yeah. It just, there's no, there is no to do. There is only to do, do again, do again, and do again. And you're right. And what sucks are those days where you really, like some days you can go through and be like, yeah, got some things done. Wasn't that big a deal. I did it. Life is normal and I can be a person. And then it sort of snowballs. It's like the, I need to make sure my kid is wearing the right thing for this particular day. You did that, but then you forgot their lunch. So you still had to go back and get the lunch. But oh, wait, but in the lunch, there was like laundry somehow wound up in there. And so now it's coming home with laundry, but it's going to be covered in like yogurt or something. And then you're going to forget to like clean it or you clean it, but you leave the yogurt somewhere and then, oh, that smells. And now you've got to clean that. And like, it doesn't matter if it's a task, if it's a cleaning task, if it's a work-related task. If, if it's supposed to be something you can just get done and be done with, that is the, that's the, like, false narrative, right, that I feel like we all assume is supposed to be real. And then it makes you feel like, is it only me? And then you start to realize it's not only you. It just never stops. And I'm not here to depress us all by saying it never stops because we're all keenly aware of how depressing that is. What I'm here to say is if you are thinking, God, am I the only person who feels like this is in reality too much and never stops, all I want to do is say, no, you're not the only person. That's that's all I want to say about that. And actually, nobody is, quote unquote, getting it all done. No matter what they look like, no matter if they actually remember to wear a bra out of the house that day, no matter if they've got spit up on their shirt, no matter if they are wearing heels or, heaven forbid, took a shower and you saw them at pickup and you're like, whoa, are you going somewhere fancy? Right? Like, <laughs> they don't actually have it all together. Everybody, that's what it's about. Just accepting that we don't all have it together, that it's constantly evolving, changing, there's a lot of pivoting, and, and those things can make you feel isolated, and they can make you feel like you're the only one, and they can begin to make you feel self-doubt. It's only me. I must be the problem. I must be the one who's not doing this. I should never have had kids. I should never have done the job. I should never And the reality is, I, I, I really mean this. I don't think anybody really gives a shit more than we give a shit ourselves, right? So... I, let's be our best friends here. Let's just remind each other that the bar can be as low as we need it to be. And that if you're worried that you're not doing a good enough job and everybody else is, go talk to people. I mean, really, in Carline, sometimes I like to just like go up and like talk to like a parent who's waiting to pick up a kid. And I'll be like, and I know everybody doesn't have Carline. Fill Carline in with whatever that space is for you. And you say, how's it going? And it's like, you know, my kid, well, <laughs> this is an honest to God, a conversation I had. My kid gets so sad at night and it makes going to bed really hard. And instead of like even going down the, oh, what's making them sad? Are you okay? I just went, mine too. I got one of those sad nighttime kids. And they were like, you do? And I was like, yes. Almost every night 
it's bedtime and now I'm really sad and now I'm going to share all of the things that have been bumming me out all day or stressing me out. And all I'm thinking in my head is, oh my God, I just want to go to sleep. And I can't just tuck you in and say goodnight because I, this could go for an hour, right? And I'm already feeling the anxiety of the like, oh my God, this is going to go so much longer. You're not alone. Okay. There's room for everybody at the low bar. So pull up a seat and join us. And remember, you are doing a really good job. And as mama used to say, when you're having one of those days, put a little lipstick on and you'll feel better, baby. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.